My name is David Morn, Tax Manager at Grand Thornton. Welcome to Tax Time, our monthly podcast covering the main tax developments in Ireland. We're bringing you a special edition of the Tax Time podcast today, discussing the upcoming budget due to be announced by the Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue, and the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, Michael McGrath, on the 12th of October. I'm joined by my colleague, Peter Vale, Partner and Head of International Tax at Grand Thornton, to discuss our wishes for budget 2022 and what to keep an eye out for. Hi, Peter. Thank you for joining me today. This year's budget is highly anticipated with this being our second year of the COVID pandemic, vaccinations being rolled out at a speedy rate, and a planned end to the majority of restrictions on the 22nd of October. Whilst it appears that we are on the road back to normality with respect to the COVID pandemic, it is now time that the state considers how to repay the debt incurred in financing reliefs, such as the TLUSS, EWSS, CRSS and the PUP, which at the end of 2020 amounted to roughly 9.3 billion euros alone. Add to this the changes being proposed in international tax reform, which the Minister has previously announced, could reduce corporate tax revenue by as much as 2 billion euros annually, and you have quite the dilemma for the government. Peter, what is your feeling on this year's budget? Yeah, thanks, David. Um, you're right. We have certainly built up a large deficit over the last 18 months. Um, despite that, I don't think you're going to see much by way of tax increases to pay that off uh, in this year's budget. So that's the good news. I think what you're going to see is effectively Ireland trade its way out of this, or grow our balance sheet. So the percentage of debt as a percentage of GDP will decrease, but you're not going to see us make efforts to raise tax revenues to pay this off in the short term. And we have seen some other countries do that. Um, that's not the line that Ireland has followed to date, and I don't think we're going to see that change um, come budget 2022. That said, I think there are things that the government would like to do in this budget and potentially address areas such as the 3% anomaly that we have at the moment, the difference between the what self-employed pay at the top rate of tax 55% versus employees at 52%. There's not an awful lot of logic behind that that delta, that differential. Um, I think they'd like to address that, but probably politically challenging. So you might see some statement in the budget around what might be done in the future to address it, but I'm not sure we're going to see actually any movement on budget day on it. Similarly, a broadening of the tax base, that gets discussed quite a bit. We've talked about it in the past, which is effectively bringing more people into the tax net. So you know, Ireland is a very progressive system, tax regime. You're always going to see higher earners clearly pay more than lower earners but middle earners move to the top rate of tax very quickly in Ireland compared to other countries. And there is an argument perhaps to broaden the tax base so that lower earners do pay some tax or a portion of, of lower earners do pay some tax. And that's there are benefits in that. That has been talked about in the past. Again, politically challenging. So will we see a broadening of the tax base? I don't think so, but you might see something. You might see an allusion to it and maybe something that would be looked at in the future. So overall, I think, look, we are going to see tax changes in this budget. I think it'll be a busy budget and I think the finance bill accompanying it's going to be particularly busy. I think possibly you will see a curtailment of some existing reliefs and you're going to see a focus on, not surprisingly, on housing and the green agenda. Yeah, thanks for that, Peter. I suppose everyone is hoping that it'll be a, a spend away out of it rather than a harsh budget with tax hikes that everyone, everyone does fear around this time of year. Um, and I suppose, as you said, income tax is definitely going to be a point of um, interest to a lot of people, um, particularly on the progressivity of the income, income tax sector. Um, Peter, income tax receipts have been extremely resilient throughout the pandemic, and this was highlighted in the department's annual taxation report. As we move to remote working, is there more the government can do to support employers and employees, which falls in line with the government's national remote working strategy? 
Yeah, it's a good question, David. And I think, look, the income tax receipts, it's, it seems bizarre how they've held up, not just held up. If you go back to pre-COVID, just focusing on the income tax receipts, it almost looks like an anomaly. They're about 20% higher than they were pre-COVID. So if you look back to August, say, 19 versus August 21, almost 20% higher. And we saw that in July as well. So it seems like consistent now, which is interesting. Um, and it shows that, and that's despite the fact that there have been very little tax changes between uh, 2019 and 2021. So really, it's a factor of certain sectors and key sectors in Ireland being relatively unscathed um, as a result of COVID. So you're seeing actually an increase in earnings for many people who, who kept their jobs in sectors such as pharma and tech. And that's translated into these higher tax receipts. So that's the reason why income tax receipts haven't just held up. They've actually increased um, compared with the, the pre-COVID period, which is interesting. But on your question on remote working, is there more that the government can do? Um, I think there probably is. So we did see some reliefs introduced um, at the start of the pandemic and help for reliefs and the ability to claim certain expenses, a percentage of light and heat that employees might incur at, at working from home, 10% of light and heat and 30% of broadband on a day's apportioned basis. So that, that is helpful. But I think we could do more. I think we could potentially increase some of those reliefs. We could potentially increase the 10% light and heat. Um, and importantly, I think we could we could extend those reliefs beyond COVID. I think that's important. I think we're all it's looking pretty clear now that many businesses are going to return to some sort of a what's called a hybrid model. And I think that that context, I think we need to see an extension of these reliefs. I think what's equally important, David, is that whatever reliefs we do bring in, be it, you know, maybe no BIK and laptops, printers, et cetera, that might be provided for home use or whatever it is, or easier accessibility to expenses that employees might incur directly in working at home at the moment. Technically, you can claim that, but it's in practice very difficult to get them over the line with revenue. So I think accessibility to reliefs, whatever reliefs are brought in and the extension of existing reliefs is very important. So just making whatever is there accessible and fit for purpose in what's going to be some sort of a hybrid model going forward. Yeah, no, no, definitely, Peter. And I, I suppose the creation of home offices for, for a lot of employees working remotely over the pandemic and will, remote work, will work remotely after the pandemic comes to a close um, definitely need more support in creating home offices from, from a tax perspective. And maybe that be through flat rate expenses similar to what perhaps teachers and, and, and other professions um, are, have availed of in the previous years. So it's definitely yeah. a space that will will be of much interest to um, remote workers going forward. I think that's I think that's spot on. I think something like that, David, in terms of the flat rate expenses and just making it more accessible will be hugely helpful. And then you could also add in, for example, you know, your 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 home environment, your home location in terms of mileage, et cetera, that if you travel from that home, which is in effect your your workplace for many people, it will become a part one of your workplaces, that that would also be allowable as opposed to the exist under the existing rules that that wouldn't generally be available um, to be claimed, that sort of mileage. So things like that, I think again, just reflect in the new norm would be very helpful. No, no, no definitely, Peter, and I, and I suppose it'll be closely watched by remote workers. Um, Peter, as noted earlier, the government have provided unprecedented support to businesses and individuals throughout the pandemic. However, certain scenarios have arisen where, which may adversely impact directors. What would you like to see happen in this regard? Yeah, I mean, look, the government has done a lot of good. They've been, you know, hugely helpful in terms of reliefs that have been introduced and even how they've been administered and, and policed has been, by and large, um, done in an appropriate manner. 
And um, one of the unfortunate things that has come out is um, the ability or the inability for directors in particular uh, to claim a credit for income tax that has been paid or has been due, but warehoused by their employers. So this is where tax has been rather than being income tax on directors, payments to directors, rather than being paid over to revenue that the company has um, in, has and with an entitlement has warehoused that debt. So the tax hasn't been paid over to revenue, but is due and will be paid in the future. When the director goes to claim that credit in their own income tax return is not available because the debt was warehoused, they can't claim that as a credit. So it effectively is a temporary double tax on that income. That doesn't seem right um, and it has been brought to the department's attention. So I'd like to see that remedied. I don't think it was the intention um, of, certainly wasn't the intention, I don't believe, of the warehousing legislation when it was brought in. I think this is just an unforeseen consequence of that legislation, which is brought in to help businesses. And now directors are being penalised for their companies, their employers having availed of this, this warehousing ability. So that looks like an anomaly to me. I'm hopeful that it will be addressed come budget day. Absolutely, it, it is something that directors would be quite nervous about um, if they have to pay the full um, amount of PAYE that was due on, on their employment income during the year. So hopefully the government will make a pragmatic change and kind of strip the settlement out. Um, is there anything else you'd like to see arising from the COVID supports? Yeah, look, I think uh, so there a lot of very positive supports and they're availed of by many taxpayers and businesses um, over the last 18 months. Um, the debt warehousing we've mentioned, that was particularly um, helpful for many businesses um, that had tax bills to pay and were able to defer them and pay either zero or a low interest rate on the outstanding tax debt. And we're seeing those that tax debt now up to a couple of billion in total being repaid to the exchequer. And we'll see that flow into the coffers over the next couple of years as well. But there are many businesses that, you know, might be still trading at a loss or break even and cash flow is still tight. So there is more we could do, I think, for many of those businesses and potentially extend the debt warehousing rules to corporate tax. So the moment that it is available, you can warehouse your income tax and, and VAT but you can't for corporation tax. So that would be one positive development. And on the same theme of corporation tax, a very helpful um, relief was brought in last year whereby businesses could accelerate um, relief for losses. So effectively make an early claim for a setback of losses against prior year profits and claim that tax back sooner sooner rather than later or earlier than they otherwise might have been able to, which again was from a cash flow perspective, very helpful. One interesting maybe addition to that in terms of the loss would be to maybe facilitate businesses extend the carryback period. So rather than just carry back, for example, loss incurred in 2020 against 2019 profits, maybe extend back to 18 and 17. So really just accessing those losses quicker. You will be able to, the business will be able to carry those losses forward anyway to future years. So this is just cash flow for the exchequer, but be able to set them back now when they need the cash back to profitable years and get a refund of taxes that they did pay in those early years would be hugely beneficial from a cash flow perspective for business. And we've seen other countries do that. So that's something that I think I'd like to see considered um, in budget 22. Maybe one final point, David, to mention is just the, 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 the interest rate that applies to unpaid taxes or un, underpaid taxes. Um, there's a mismatch between the rate you get when you overpay tax and when you underpay tax. And again, there's not an awful lot of justification for that differential. For general, other than warehouse debt, you can be paying a tax, you pay an interest between 8 and 
emperor under pay tax and at a you know obviously prevailing interest rates are a lot lower than that and we look at what you get for overpay tax at three percent there's a mismatch there which again you'd like to think could be addressed in the budget yeah, Peter, I suppose on the interest side, uh, the debt warehousing rate of 3% being highly reduced from the 8% for, for corporate taxes and 10% for, for payroll taxes, it is quite a vast gulf in, in what revenue we're charging. And perhaps it's time that we move to the lower rate of 3%. Um, and just to echo, echo your words on the losses, um, extending losses back to three years could, would be a huge cash flow help to some small and medium enterprises who may be struggling at the moment in terms of their cash flow. Peter, there, all, there was always hope around budget time that capital taxes, such as capital gains tax and capital acquisitions tax, will be reduced and release extended. Do you think we are likely to see anything in this space? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, we don't know at this point, but I think we will see something in the capital taxes space um, for a couple of reasons. Um, I think any tax cuts in the capital taxes space generally don't cost the exchequer. Going back to prior years, haven't cost the exchequer. The, the halving of the tax of the CGT rate is often mentioned that um, under Minister Charlie McCreevy a number of years back, the tax take doubled over a period of time. So reducing capital taxes rates generally increases more activity, generally brings in more tax revenue. So, so it, it can be more than just tax neutral, it can actually increase um, receipts. So will we see something in that space come budget day? Um, I think we will. I think we'll probably see some adjustments to existing reliefs. Entrepreneur relief um, has been mentioned um, discussed in the past. Um, Entrepreneur relief at the moment grants a 10% rate for the sale of certain assets or shares in businesses up to 1 million. So reasonably small, modest threshold. So I think we'll see some movement. What could it be? We could potentially see potentially see the abolition of entrepreneurial relief and the 10% rate to be replaced by a blanket 20% CGT rate for all sales of assets that otherwise would have qualified for entrepreneur, entrepreneurial relief, so business assets. And that the merits of that would be in terms of extending the, the relief and getting rid of the, the 1 million threshold and just making it a general lower rate would be to, I suppose, to see the transfer of productive assets and maybe see them put to more productive use. That's the benefit of lowering the rate and increasing more transactions to say they put assets to more productive use. So I think you might see that. Now I think we'll probably, if we did see that, that would probably be in tandem with the retention of the CGT rate, existing rate of 33% for passive investments, but seeing a lower rate for business assets and potentially the, the curtailment or abolition of entrepreneur relief. So we might see that. I mean, equally, you could argue that it would be helpful just to simply extend the, um, the entrepreneur relief and make that more accessible and more beneficial and, and perhaps increase the threshold to 10, 12 million. So I think we'll see something similarly with capital acquisitions tax rates um, they would, you would imagine, come down to an extent. Typically, they've been aligned to CGT rates. So if there's some reduction in CGT rates, I think you'd see that reflected in capital acquisitions tax rates as well. And also it would be good, I think, to see further adjustments to those thresholds. They're obviously a lot lower than they were back in 7, 2007, 2008, when they were north of 500,000 for assets transferred from parents to children. And in a time of increasing asset inflation, the fact that that threshold is now a lot lower, it's close to, to 340, then again, that seems a bit of an anomaly. And, and I think it'd be good to see further movement and maybe a speedier movement in those thresholds and up back towards the 500,000 mark. Yeah, Peter, there's a lot of food for thought, for thought there. And as I said, like it's uh, definitely an element of the budget that people do kind of watch with open eyes and always hope for the best and maybe even light a candle 
praying that the rates will come down or thresholds will get up so they can encourage business to be passed next generation and also to maybe get children on the property ladder. So hopefully we will see something there in, in, in this budget. Um, there is a lot of discussion surrounding the Pillar 1 and Pillar 2 proposals regarding a global minimum tax rate, allocating taxing rights and digital taxes. Should we expect any advanced measures from the department in this regard? Yeah, look, it's, it's a good question, David, um, and we will see, and there will be a lot of mention in the budget speech on Pillar 1 and Pillar 2, and it will come about October, it will be around the same time as the OECD is due to release um, some detail on the Pillar 1 and Pillar 2 uh, proposals, which at a very high level, Pillar 1 is about effectively, it's been called the digital tax, uh, and would see taxing rights move to market jurisdictions so Irish companies large groups selling overseas rather than all of the profits just sit in Ireland you would see some of that profit move to market jurisdictions where the customers and um, were based on the basis that, that, that the customer activity can generate a lot of data and then um, ergo you should see some of the the profit allocated to those jurisdictions so that would see a dilution of the benefit of our 12 and a half percent rate if that came in um, and potentially cost the exchequer in, in the long run. Similarly with pillar two, which is the global minimum tax rate, that would potentially be even more um, problematic, I suppose, for Ireland, depending on what that rate is, because if there was a global minimum rate, and let's say it was 15% effectively for, for larger businesses, again, it means that that's what the businesses would look at our effective rate being at. Yes, you might pay 12.5% in Ireland, potentially, um, if we kept our rate, but you'd be paying a 2.5% top up overseas. So, you know, effectively, your business, your Ireland's tax rate for those businesses becomes 15%. So again, that would have a 12.5% has been a calling card for Ireland, been a hugely important part of our brand for a, a long number of years. So, but pillar two in particular in the global minimum tax rate, that is a threat to Ireland. So in budget 22, you can expect to see a commitment to that 12.5% rate, potentially. I think that's, we've had it in every budget speech to date. So I do expect we'll probably get that. Ireland, as, as you know, hasn't signed up to these proposals. And we didn't have an issue with the pillar one and the allocation of taxing rights to market jurisdictions. It was all about the minimum rate, the global minimum rate that Ireland had a problem with. And I think quite rightly, given the lack of detail on it, and also because what was in pillar two wasn't even a rate of 15%, it was a global minimum rate of at least 15%. And of course, that's very open as that could, you know, that could rise to 18, 20%. So no certainty at all what that would mean. So very difficult for Ireland to sign up to that. You may see something in the budget speech, David, in terms of of where we're at at that. In the background, there have been a lot of discussions going on. So potentially there will be some movement in that. Or Ireland may have got, and other countries might have got some, some comfort that the rate will be a set rate. And it doesn't mean that we will sign up to it, but I think that would increase the likelihood, uh, likelihood of us signing up to it. In reality, David, you know, what's really important for Ireland is what happens in the States around uh, the global changes if the US signs up to changes and that's a big if around that because there's certainly not a consensus in the US then you can expect Ireland to follow suit and you know, the timing of all that's still still uncertain so I think we'll see certainly see a number of paragraphs allocated to this whole topic in the budget speech what else might you see around international tax I think that things that are within our control because a lot of what's happening internationally we're a small voice we're a small country and we can't we, we probably have punch of overweight but still have a relatively small say in what goes on so things that we do have control of we need to make sure we are doing what we can for ireland inc and one of those would be the move to a territorial regime which would make uh, things a lot simpler wouldn't cost the exchequer much would make a lot of 
aspects of our tax regime for holding companies, which we have made in Ireland a lot simpler. So I'd like to see that fast forwarded as being put on the, the back burner because a lot of other things have been prioritised and that's understandable. But I think we need to move on the territorial regime sooner rather than later. And that would be, again, just helpful from Ireland Inc's perspective without causing exchequer or anything. Thanks, Peter. As you mentioned, the minister has um, committed to the 12.5% rate in previous budgets and also has mentioned it as part of the Pillar 1 and Pillar 2 proposals that were announced previously this year. So it will be interesting to see if he, he holds tact on that. And also the territorial regime is very interesting to see if, if Ireland um, eventually moves to that type of regime. Is there anything that could be done to help small and medium-sized enterprises? Yeah, and they've probably, it's probably, probably felt like an eclectic sector, an neglected sector in previous budgets, David. I think maybe the perception has been that the focus in terms of reliefs has always been on the FDI, the foreign direct investment and the multinational employers to the detriment of SMEs. And I think there's probably something in that. Look, we just talked about the international aspect and the maybe the uncertainty. And yes, but I do believe that Ireland will come through. We've come through every other, all other global tax changes successfully. And well, there, this is another challenge. I think we will come through it. I think we need to make sure at the same time that we've got a vibrant uh, SME indigenous sector as well. So I think it's critical that we do what we can for that sector. And again, we've got control over a lot of that. So again, we need to make sure that we do the right things when we can do them. Um, we've seen other countries, we saw the UK bring in certain um, super deductions, super capital allowances deductions to encourage investment in, in assets. That's something that we could consider as well. It wouldn't just benefit SMEs, but it would be hugely beneficial for SMEs. So I think accelerated allowances would be helpful um, and it would encourage investment. I think as well, there is for small and micro businesses, there is a, a more beneficial r and tax credit, a 30% rate. We need to see that brought in. Um, it it was it has been brought in, but it's still awaiting sign off, and and I think that would be helpful to bring that in, and again just show the government's commitment to helping the SME sector. So that would be extremely helpful. Um, I think just the general policing and the administration of the R&D tax credit, and it has to be policed. It's very valuable credit. It's expensive for the exchequer, so it needs to be properly policed. Um, there was some discussion around the deductibility of certain. Um, or the, the availability of certain costs for the credit, and maybe that created some uncertainty, particularly around rent, where there would have been a perception in the past that it was available as a credit and would have been very beneficial for many businesses, and that seems to be now called into question. So I think it'd be good to get clarity around things like that for business, for SMEs, that they can claim um, the earned credit in respect of rent, and that can be quite a high number. And again, if that takes, if that needs a legislative change, I'd like to see that come in in the budget as well. And again, going back to something we talked about earlier for SMEs, the ability to carry back losses, perhaps to three accounting periods, would be very helpful for many SMEs that are at best just coming back to break even, many not in that space, depending on what sector they're in. So whatever can be done, I mean, the government's done a great job in terms of maintaining and keeping lots of businesses open through the pandemic. Now there's an opportunity to get them back, back into business and back trading profitably again get the benefit of all that investment so it'd be a shame not to, to miss an opportunity on that so there are certainly things in terms of the ability to carry losses back to greater than one year that would be hugely beneficial cash flow and um, for those businesses and not costing the exchequer anything in the long term just upfront cash flow those losses would have translated into um tax credits if you like in the future but it's getting them now when businesses need it most is important 
Absolutely, Peter. And as you said, the R&D credit is, is hugely valuable um, credit to, to all business carrying out research and, and development activities. And it would be good to see it kind of streamlined, the administration made slightly easier and bringing in the 30% rate for small and micro businesses. So hopefully we'll see something in that space this time around. Is there anything you'd like to see from a VAT perspective? Yeah, and talking to Jared and our VAT guys, uh, there are probably a couple of things that, in particular that you'd like to see um, on our wish list, if you like. Um, I think making the 9% VAT rate permanent for the hospitality sector to help boost tourism, obviously a sector hugely impacted by COVID, would be extremely helpful. Um, what else? I think if you look at vehicles and the ability to claim back VAT and vehicles maybe turning to the green agenda as well. At the moment, there's you know limited ability, quite a small percentage of VAT that can be reclaimed in vehicles maybe um, enabling businesses to reclaim the full fat amount on electric vehicles would be helpful and I think would be very positive for the environment and obviously the Greens and government and um, will possibly be promoting that anyway and I think probably will be um, and will I think you would imagine increase the uptake and the purchase of electric vehicles they are more expensive so I think the ability to claim back the VAT in full and the purchase of those vehicles would be helpful in, in moving us towards a cleaner fleet um, for Ireland Inc, if you like, in due course. The, I mean, the other option is that you would VAT exempt the sale of those vehicles in general. I think that, that's that's more problematic and more challenging, but I think the ability to, for businesses to reclaim the VAT on those vehicles would be, would be very helpful and a move in the right direction. That's very interesting, Peter, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll see more on that in, in, in the budget. Um, and it will be interesting to see whether the 9% rate is extended um, or made permanent to help the tourism sector um, especially now that kind of restrictions would end towards the end of October that people may go abroad and we need to encourage people to stay in vacation in Ireland. So maybe, maybe, that, maybe that will help. Um, and finally, Peter, is there anything you would like to see from this year's budget? Yeah, there's, there are lots of things I'd like to see in this year's budget. Um, some of them, I, I think, cautiously optimistic, we will see many things we won't. I think every year after budget speech, we, we talk about the missed opportunities. And there could be lots of reasons for those. Um, political hurdles often um, the main cause. Um, what other that we haven't, what other topics other than ones we've talked about? I think if you think about things that have worked in the past, I think the general view is that the help to buy scheme did work, has worked and has been very helpful to to people trying to get on the housing ladder. And so I think an extension of the help to buy scheme beyond the end of this year would be helpful. Um, I think if I was to pick something else, I think the the small benefit exemption, which is often by way of vouchers, where employees can be given up to 500 euro a year in vouchers, tax-free, that has been developed by developed by many businesses. I think that could be potentially increased to say a thousand euro, and possibly hard to get it much over that. But again, that would be helpful, I think, in in encouraging people to spend as well as well as incentive for employees, and maybe getting um for many retail businesses that have been adversely impacted and they would be a beneficiary of an increase in that exemption themselves. Thanks Peter. Um, it's been very, very insightful and um, we eagerly await the budget and, and see if any of our wishes um, come to fruition. Um, be sure to listen to News Talk on the 12th of October where Grant Thornton will be providing comments on the budget as it is announced. Also, Grant Thornton will be hosting a live webinar on Wednesday the 13th of October to discuss the main elements of the budget. Book your place now on our website as registration closes on the 12th of October. That is it for today. Tune into our Tax Time podcast next month where we will discuss the latest tax issues that may affect your business. Thanks for listening.